For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell here with you today, ready to break down all things Auburn Tigers. And, you know, this is going to be a bit of a tough episode, let's be honest, because this past weekend was quite the tough game. But Jason and I are going to break it down for you, talk about the result from this past weekend against South Carolina, albeit it's going to be painful, but we got to do it. We're going to look ahead to this week's matchup with Ole Miss. And I actually requested from Jason that we not have a guest today, um, just because I want Jason and I to have a very real conversation. I think uh, as Auburn fans and the Auburn family, we're all, you know, having a lot of opinions and thoughts, and there's a lot going on right now, and none of us like the result this past weekend, all right? We'll call a spade a spade. So Jason and I are going to talk about it, talk about how this team bounces back, and where the program is headed right now, because I think that's really the focal point of the Auburn family right now. So definitely want to break down both sides of this and, and discuss where the issues really lie. So before we do that, we of course got to tell you about our sponsor, betonline.ag, the football season is in full swing and you might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is of course the online casino that never closes. So make sure you head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. So again, betonline.ag Go ahead, sign up today. You know, Jason, you and I were talking before we started recording, and and it's difficult for Auburn fans right now because we all love this school, we love the program, and we want to see it succeed. And and right now, no one's really sure how they're going to find that success given what we saw this past weekend. Yes, Taylor, you're exactly right. And to all my Auburn fans, I, I understand that you know you're frustrated right now, and you're you're wondering like what's going on and. And you're looking for answers. And and the whole thing is, like I said, you know, there's so much room to grow, but we got to find out which direction are we going in? Because when I look at this team, it's kind of like one week we're this, the next week we're that. But where's the consistency and where's the balance? This is a critical week and this is a week that the fire needs to be lit because we have to get back to finding balance on this football team. And we have to get back to playing with us. Auburn football, what I mean, physical football, in your, you know, coming to get you type football, you line up the players, you know, you're going to get downhill football coming right at you. At the same time, you know, we got to understand situational football. You know, Mm -hmm. it cost us this week in this game. We need this team to come together because I'm not seeing the unity and the balance that that we need to see at this standpoint of the season to have a success. And something has got to change this week when we go to Ole Miss. Yeah, absolutely. I I think several things need to change. And unfortunately, you know, you bring up the lack of unity. And I think when you look across the board at the division that 
you know, losses like that create amongst fan bases and um, even maybe the team within the staff, like there it's rocky right now. And not only does that make for difficulty in this current season and for the guys that are on the team, that has an implication on recruiting. And I think that that's not something that people think about when they take to Twitter to just like berate Auburn and start calling for Gus Malzahn's job. You are now being utilized as a tactic for other teams to recruit very highly touted athletes saying, look, you don't want to be part of a program that's this divided. Look at the uproar that happens because they don't want this head coach. Like Things like that have ripple effects. So while I understand the frustration with the fan base, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't incredibly frustrated this past weekend, we have to think about the bigger picture and make sure that we're still standing strong in what we want and our support of the program, knowing that what's happening right now is not good, but like no plug is going to get pulled midseason. Okay. If you want Gus out, it's not going to happen midseason, especially in 2020. You got to keep in mind the financial implications that all athletic programs are dealing with because of COVID 19 are very real. So a buyout is not going to happen six weeks in. So what you're doing in, in you know, the public out- uproar is is more of a detriment to the program than helping cause change. So I think that that's something that people really need to keep their their perspective clear on. But I think that the reality is losing to South Carolina for the first time since the 1930s, losing 30 to 22, having the amount of penalties that we did, seeing the the lack of discipline among our guys. Our guys are arguing with each other on the sideline. Those are the things that are causing everyone to hit the panic button. And honestly, I've hit the panic button as well because this is this is more than just losing games. This is a a, a lack of a solid footing for this program. And I think, Jason, you can talk about this from a player perspective. Sometimes games like this wake you up. Sometimes showings like this humble you and and allow everyone to realize what they need to do. I mean. I, I can only imagine from a player's perspective, if I turn on the television to rewatch my film and I see myself arguing with my own teammate, that wakes me up a little bit. That reminds me that, okay, we're letting this thing get too far gone. What do you anticipate are some of the conversations that this team and and this staff is having right now just about the lack of discipline and unity that we're seeing on the field? Yeah, you make great points, Taylor. Uh, you know, I agree with everything that you said. When you think about this from a player standpoint, for me is one: if you see your head coach is getting called out publicly for his job, that should do something to you as a player. Like this is yeah. the guy that came into your house. This is the guy that recruited you. This is the guy that you know told your family he's going to help take care of you when you come to school there. So you should feel like, hey, you know what? Our coach back is against the wall. So we mm-hmm. need to step our play up. We need to come together now and have his back. And how you do that, you go out and you perform at a high level. You go out, you play with a lot of the tenaciousness, but you also go out and you and you play winning football. And yeah. when you look at this football team right now, you know, with everything that's going on this year and over the summer and and, and to the season, I, I said it before the season start. I said the team that handles these issues before the season start and the teams that can handle the depth because you're going to lose certain players early in the year because you didn't have spring. Guys haven't hit in a long time. I said, so it's going to happen. I said, the teams that are more prepared for it and has that depth and more mentally, physically, and strong are the teams that's going to succeed this season. And you're seeing it. And the thing for me is, 
as a player, when you start to argue with each other like that publicly, like, yes, guys get in arguments all the time in practice because you're going at each other and you're trying sure. to compete. You know, things like that happen. Locker room, guys are competing. But when you're on in a game, your competition is your opponent. Right. So when you start to argue against yourselves, you come you you become one another's own enemy. And mm-hmm. now and I say this to get to my next point is as a quarterback, I've always was taught and learned growing up through high school and through into the college ranks and pro ranks is when things are unraveling around you, it's you that people look to and the coach 100%. that people look to to see how are you handling it? Because if you start yep. to unravel and start to get frustrated and start to just, you know, do things and then it kind of fizzles through the whole team. I like, but if they see you come and they see you, Hey, put your arms around guys and say, Hey man, I still believe in you. I trust in you. Let's get it. Come on, everyone. Let's turn the light on. I like, let's wake up. But both of those guys have got to channel their information, channel their, their emotions because as a quarterback, if you throw an interception because a receiver runs a wrong route, you're not going to let it be known publicly. So as yeah. a receiver, I would always tell my guys, guys, I may throw an interception because you ran a wrong route. I said, but do not embarrass me publicly. I said, because yeah. guess what? If if I throw you a ball, a perfect ball, and you drop it, I'm not going to embarrass you publicly. I was just like, right. we just going to take this home with us and we'll handle this off the field as far as like, hey, I need you to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And then from a quarterback standpoint, I'm going to say, hey, I miss you on the throw. I got you next time. I got you. Right. I owe you one. Not I'm going to come at you and you're going to yeah. come at me. Like, so we got to fix that and learn how to channel our emotions better as a football team. You have to understand like, hey, when you're a top dog and you're used to being a top dog, People use tactics to try to get to you at any means necessary to defeat you. And I feel like we gave into that by all the barking back and forth instead of mm-hmm. playing our game and keeping our minds on what's going on in the football field. 100%. And honestly, uh, like I said, I, I know there were issues on the field and we're going to talk about that. But those kinds of issues, those were actually where I was quick to say that's a coaching problem. And and I don't think the coaches would disagree with that because there has to be an expectation of discipline that is required of you when you put that Jersey on and take the field. Like that is not a representation of Auburn football. I don't care what the score is at this moment. Like you have to conduct yourself the way an Auburn football player should. And that starts with what the coaches require. So hope to see that improve, but Let's start on the offensive side of the ball because I think that is where people had the most <laughs> woes. Um, <laughs> really, it just it it didn't feel like this offense was ever able to click. And and when you look at the stats, it, there's reputable stats there. There there were actually over 200 yards, both passing and rushing. So uh, somewhat of a balanced attack. But when you watch it overall, it looked like they were out of sync. It looked like they weren't sure what their identity was and. That's where it gets frustrating because it feels like it's the same narrative for Auburn football every single year. And and even bringing in Chad Morris and even Bo Nix no longer being a true freshman, like the excuses that we utilized last year are gone. And yet the problems remain the same. So the only conclusion you can draw is that those excuses weren't the problem. The problem is the problem. And I think unfortunately this was a very poor performance by Bo Nix and I don't think that he's really showcased much thus far this season. Um, I don't think he's shown much progress. 
I think that he had bright spots last year. He'll have bright spots this season. But as of right now, you know, obviously we touched on the off the field stuff and the leadership uh, development that he needs to have. But if we're talking on the field at this point, he is playing very predictable football. He escapes the pocket if his first read is not there. This guy just wants to take off. And honestly, he's playing um, irresponsible football as well. Once again, as soon as he's about to take a hit, he's trying to get rid of the ball, and he's penalizing us in in results of that. He's also playing very sloppy ball. And I just think that it all trickles down from him. You know, as well as anyone, Jason, the responsibility that a quarterback carries. And, and to see Bo executing in, in a very sloppy, irresponsible, way it is discouraging and I think it's contagious and it's spreading across the offense I do think some of the wide receivers really let him down there were several drops that are unexcusable especially from stellar athletes like Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz um, I don't necessarily think that we're utilizing guys skill sets well enough you've got the fastest guy in college football on your team and I don't think you're giving him an, a fair enough opportunity to use it so I think that there are things that are aiding in Bo's performance the offensive line still struggling to kind of find their rhythm but if you're just looking at Bo's performance he's going to continue to make it difficult for this offense to click unless he really fine-tunes his game yeah when I look at this uh when I saw this game like I said, watch all the first four games of the season. My whole thing is, like I talked about before, we have no balance. And what I mean by that is, okay, we found something in Tank Bisbee. Tank Bisbee reminds me a lot of his former, his uh, former, I mean, former player to play there. That's his now his coach in Cadillac Williams. Like yeah. Cadillac ran tenacious as a true freshman. He ran hard. The first, second guy never got him down. And when I look at that, I'm just like, man, this kid is toting his ball like. Let's keep him in rhythm and then let's feed off of him. And what I mean by that, when he comes out the game, sometimes DJ comes in, DJ always finds a way to fall forward. I was like, then we got showers standing over there. I'm saying, okay, we can implement showers inside the game. I said, because one thing he brings to the, to the table is defense got to cover East and West. They got to go sideline to sideline because this guy is explosive. I said, so you can hit a defense with so many different areas i said we got to get to the point where we make the defense defend the whole field and then when i think about Bo's performances i'm just like we all don't make no excuses i said players we look ourselves and we say okay no there's no excuse i said now i'm thinking like okay i'm chad moore's i didn't i'm, I'm saying to myself okay guys look we didn't have a spring we didn't have a summer and those 15 practices in the spring, four of them are probably real strong scrimmages where you go line up, you go one-on-one against each other, and it's ones versus ones defense. Because at this standpoint, you're like, okay, if someone gets hurt, we got time to get them back before training camp. But the whole thing is I don't think Chad knows Bo's tendencies in these, situation, in these situations because now they're showing up. And when I see these things show up, it's just like over and over. Like last week against Arkansas, the situation that happened where Bo clocked the ball, he fumbled it, and then he clocked it behind him. I said, okay, Mm -hmm. he panicked. I like a lot of people probably don't know the rule at that standpoint. So he panicked, but then he turned and clocked it, not thinking like, hey, probably this, this is a lateral. And you could tell he didn't know. And so I'm just saying, okay. And then I watched this week. I said, okay, all three of his interceptions came on third downs. I said, okay, what's the tendencies here? I was like, okay, when I look at that, I said, he's trying to make plays outside the pocket. It's like you say, when his first read is not there a lot, his first instinct is, 
I'm taking off outside Take the pocket. Off. Yep. And so when I get outside the pocket, the thing that does people is it cuts your field in half. So now it cuts your field in half. And then you have the extra defender, which is the sideline. So you know you only got so much time to deliver this ball. And hopefully somebody pops open on the sideline. And then he's trying to throw the ball back across his body because his main target is Seth. And Seth and him has built such a trust in each other that they feel like if I throw it up, I can go up and get it. That's fine when it's one-on-one and it's outside the pocket. But when you're inside, but when you're – what I mean when I say outside, I'm talking about Seth one-on-one down the field. But when you're outside the pocket and you're trying to throw that ball back across your body into linebackers and corners that's hanging on to receivers, that's tough. Because once that ball gets tipped, it hardly ever finds the ground in the middle of the field. And that's when you have to say to yourself, is it better for us to punt this ball away? They got us. I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to get out of bounds and live for us to punt the ball, play defense, and maybe we get the ball back with a shorter field, but not give them a short field so that they have confidence and momentum and they get three or they get seven, and now I'm giving them points. And that's the thing I understand with him is, I've learned about him is, there's times he's panicked, Taylor. And when he panicked, they have got to learn how to challenge him on this stuff and say, hey, look, we got to figure out what it is there's habits here. Obviously, they've come from high school into the college ranks because he did a lot of this last year where he would take off really quick. But then we all understood that, okay, he's a true freshman. This year, you're not a true freshman. You're another year ahead. But these tendencies haven't been broken. And I'm sure him, Gus, and Chad, all three see this. And it's just like, how do you break old habits? They've got to find a way for him to move up in the pocket because you move up in the pocket, you still can hit open receivers or you get going forward. You have a better chance to run and get more positive yards or see a guy open while you're moving forward. But how do you break these tendencies? So I'm just like, he escapes the pocket so quickly, so early. I say, okay, coach, if I'm a coach, what would I do to to help this? I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to say, be brutally honest with me. What is it that make you leave the pocket so early? Because to me, I'm thinking he probably can't see as clear standing in the pocket behind his offensive line. And he feels more he feels more comfortable getting outside the pocket because his vision is a lot more clear and he can see better. So from an offensive mind standpoint, I'm going to say, okay, if that's your answer then maybe we need to utilize more play action pass, more bootlegs, more neck, more nakeds and everything to get you outside the pocket, but get you easy completions so that you can keep us in, in on rotation and within our offense. Because when I see that, it just definitely means the kid is not seeing clearly over the offensive line as far as like vision wise and reading coverages. So hopefully, you know, this is something they have an honest and honest opinion about and like, you know, really sit down and own this thing. You got to own your habits yeah. before you can break them. And uh, mm. and you got to hold yourself accountable. And uh, and that's the only way you're going to get better. Like, there's times in my career, I was just like, Jay, you got to break this habit. Right. And I was studying myself. And that's how you get better because you got to work on that. And you can't just ignore it and say, I got it. I got it. I do it better next time. Like, all right, I got No, you got to physically work at it. And mentally mm-hmm. make yourself do it. And I think that's the standpoint. If he's going to get to the next level in his career at playing this position, he has got to channel these habits that got to be broken, but it got to come from within himself 
But then right. he needs to be honest with the coaches with what's going on so they can help him. Mm-hmm. I think that is a really, really good analysis about his vision and, and escaping so he can see better. That was something I hadn't even thought of. I thought it was, you know, I think when you see a, a quarterback tend to scramble very quickly, it, well, first of all, last year it seems like a true freshman tendency, but this year I assumed it was just lack of trust in his offensive line. Um, but I think that's a that's a really great point. But, you know, he did put up 272 passing yards. He had 69 rushing yards, um, but he had a 51% completion percentage, which, of course, some of that is due to the drops by his receivers. But the big killer were the three interceptions that led to 21 points for South Carolina. So, obviously, the penalties and the turnovers are, are going to kill you no matter who your opponent is. But um, that was definitely something that was discouraging to see. You mentioned Tank Bigsby. This guy's going to continue to be a bright spot for us. He had his second consecutive 100-yard rushing game. 111 yards on 16 carries, averaging 6.9 yards per carry. You're absolutely right. He looks like an Auburn running back, and I think that he's going to continue to be the bright spot, but we've got to find other bright spots. He can't do it alone. This was another game, Jason, surprisingly, very little tight end usage. It's it's an aspect of the game that we fully expected to see. It's something that Chad Morris even said he was going to to utilize. So again, to not see that is is discouraging. And I want to get your input on Anthony Schwartz. I, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. I don't necessarily think he's being utilized well enough or, or in a way that suits him. His world-class speed doesn't do much if he can't get a block. And sometimes it seems like he doesn't necessarily read coverage well to find his open space. So I don't know if this is a guy that should be used out of the backfield more or how do you think they can utilize him? Cause right now it seems like there's a disconnect and we have a very strong benefit in his speed, but we're never getting a chance to see it. I think we have to pull a chapter from back in, uh, back in the day when Florida Gators used to have Percy Harvey. Percy oh, Harvey. Yeah. And, you know, Percy Harvey was a guy that was really fast, track guy, ran, played football, but they utilized him so many different ways to get him the ball, whether it was reverses, whether it was lining him up in the backfield, throwing swing routes, swing screens, uh, you know, taking a shot down the field, you know, just to back the defense up. But also my thing is these 18-yard stop routes. What I mean by that is put him on routes where it looks like he's running a post and he gets to his top end speed. What are DBs and safeties going to do? They're going to get out of there. Because they right. respect his speed. So when they get out of there 18 to 20 yards, he knows that's his area of stopping. He gets mm. to that point and he stops and we hit him on the stop route. And it's an yeah. easy completion because they're getting out of there. And the next thing is for him, I can tell you this right now. He don't want to catch no slant over the middle. I've yeah. seen him drop more balls on the play action pass of wide open where we try to hit him over the middle than catch him. I know why they do it. They want to catch him in open space so he can get the ball and hopefully, you know, he missed one to make a guy miss and then he's gone. But track guys from my history, they don't like anything. They don't like to get hit over the middle. And we've right. seen this with him over the last couple of weeks where he dropped at least five balls that have hit him in the hands on just mm-hmm. easy slants over the middle. So I'm like, okay, that's not his forte. So let's just remove him from that. Like maybe that's a that's a that's where we put Jackson in and let him run those routes. He's a big yeah. receiver. Let him catch the ball over the middle right there. He can take the punishment and everything. But there's ways that we can find a way to get the ball to Swartz and everything. And we got it like even those deep post corners, like 
you know, it's routes where you're attack the safety full speed and then get to those corners. I can hear the coaches probably saying, yeah, Jay, we can't do that because we don't feel like we may have the time to to throw that route because of the pressure up front. But I seen the offensive line been getting better. Like they've gotten better over yeah. the last couple of weeks. Like we have more time than we think the, to throw these routes now and everything. And I think from a standpoint of we talked about getting our tight ends involved. I keep saying this. Tight ends are a quarterback's best friend because yeah. they're easy completion sometimes. Like there's five-yard stick routes. There's a little pop pass. There's the seam ball. There's the, the out route by the tight end. There's tight end screens. There's just, you know, easy completion. Just like you throw the slant over the middle to the receiver, you throw the slant over the middle to the tight end because guess what? You running the ball the way the tank is running the ball. They're going to come up. Linebackers are going to come up. So when those linebackers come up, you hit those second-level holes to the tight end, and that opens up your whole offense because right now I'm not defending our tight ends. So it's a wasted position because I can bring my safety in there and we just going to gallop up on the run because I'm not fearful of your tight end sneaking by me on a seam route or a corner route or anything because we don't throw to the tight end. So I keep saying the moment we start throwing the ball to the tight end, the years that Gus offense has been good and went to the national championship, went to the SEC championship, was when he threw the ball to the tight ends. Right. And, and it just opens up so much stuff. I was just like, and we have a sit seven tight end. We have another big, huge tight end. Corners don't want to hit these guys if they catch a drag <laughs> route. You know, yeah. like what corner want to come up and hit this big guy? Like, no, like let's get them involved in the passing game. I understand that there wasn't a spring and all this type of stuff, but we ain't the only one that didn't have a spring. You know, everybody, exactly. everybody across the league is going through the same situation and same protocols. We just got to find a way to do it and make a conscious effort to get these guys the ball because it will open up what we do offensively. And yeah. I don't know what it is that why we don't do that. And it will help both. It will help both games. For off. sure. And that's why I say I feel like we hit the panic button in a lot of areas on this team because when he started to scramble, it's fourth down. Like there's no mm. time on the clock. Like right. we have to throw the ball up and give someone a chance to make a play on the ball so that we may come down with a touchdown and then go for two to tie the game. I said, but exactly. But to take the ball down and just take off running with it like that and you get hit and sacked, like you don't give your team a chance. So this is a huge learning tape, and I hope he really sits down and learn from this tape. But most important, though, Taylor, you got to be willing to listen. Like, oh, yeah. you can't always feel like, I'm right, I'm right, oh, I got this. Yeah. You got to be willing to listen and if you want to improve as a player. So hopefully they're looking at this tape, all of them, and they're saying, hey, we got to improve in this area if we want to win football games because we've almost lost two games in a row based off situational football. It just looks like everything could go back to the drawing board and really tighten up. I think Seth needs to look in the mirror and, and do some self-evaluation. You are a good enough receiver. You are a big enough body. I don't care if you're in double coverage. Look at the tight end at Florida. He comes down with the ball no matter who, how many guys are on him. Seth is that caliber of player. He can come up with those unbelievable catches. I think he he is psyching himself out in some situations, and, and we've got to work on that. He only had four catches on 12 targets, and, and that's just that is not even sort of up to par with his athletic ability. But I just think offensively, 
they need to go back to the drawing board. They need to go dig back in and, and figure out not just execution wise, creativity wise and, and utilizing personnel. And um, I really want to see a lot more from this offense. And I hope that we do. And it it's got to be all hands on deck at this point, because I don't think anybody could walk away from that game saying that they did all they could do. But let's talk about the defense. Um, I think it was it was a, a okay day. They held South Carolina to just 144 receiving yards, which is impressive when you've got a guy like Shai Smith out there. But there were a lot of penalties by the secondary, d- defensive pass mm-hmm. interference, things like that, and that's just always going to hurt you. I also think we need a substantial improvement in the pass rush. Obviously, you don't have guys like Marlon and Derek, but every team loses stars every year. So, again, you can't you can't fall back on excuses. These guys have to step up. They did a good job of getting in Colin Hill's face. They got arms up, but nobody got arms around him. This defensive line did not come up with any sacks. You're going to face better quarterbacks down the road. So you got to find a way to affect the pass rush better. What did you see from the defensive side? I think, you know, Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo continue to be rock solid and, and that's important. But my issue was with the secondary. They've got to clean that up. Yeah, you're exactly right. When I think about uh, from a defensive standpoint this week, um, the most important thing, yes, Big Cat Bryant came back this week. Um, you know, so hopefully he's nursing himself almost back to full 100 uh, percent. But we're definitely missing K.J. Britt. Like Owen Papo and McLean are doing a really good job, but it's taking them out of their primary positions. And, exactly. you know, and K.J. Britt is kind of that guy that gets everyone going on that defensive side of the ball. He controls everyone. He lines everyone up. And now you bring an Owen Papo and McLean where they have to lead their primary positions. And now they're taking on a little bit more more assets in the run game. And it's just tough because you remember last year, you know, Owen has buffed up a little bit and put a little bit more size on it, but he's not the yeah. same size as a KJ Britt. You know, so team mm-hmm. look at that, say, okay, we're gonna run down. He'll let him a little bit more and force him to have to come off blocks a lot for four quarters and have to hit someone. That's a lot. That is a lot, you know, for a guy that's still growing into his body and uh, you know, still trying to pack on pounds. And when I think about it from a secondary standpoint, our penalties are coming in crucial moments. You know, it's just we could have got off the field last week on a third down situation late in the game to get us the ball back and we get a P.I. call. And, you know, these pass interference calls, you know, we, we got to get better control of ourselves. You know, are you going to get beat sometimes? Yes, you're going to get beat sometimes. But let that make that guy have to make a play on the ball. Like, don't just give them a first down and by call we're grabbing and, and pulling and, uh, and everything and we've got to stay on sides we got to stop jumping off sides we got to watch the ball no there's not a lot of crowd noise right now it's not eighty thousand people in the stands so we got to be able to do that do the simple things we got to make football back simple right now i feel like we're making it way too hard and and like i said i know coach Steele is probably frustrated because You've seen his defenses over the last couple of years, some of the best defenses in college football. And, yeah. um, and you know, this year we knew they was refilling the whole secondary, but there's talent. Shoot, if not, even more talent. You know, it, when you think about it, I think we are just like Sherwood. He was laying the lumber. I will say that. That was a huge mm-hmm. positive this uh, past weekend. That guy, people don't know who he is when they come through the hole. They're going to be looking for that number 20 to come out of the blue somewhere <laughs> because he was laying the lumber. And, uh and everything but we've got to stop giving up big plays on third downs we've got to stop with the crucial penalties and crucial crucial moments like these are things i'm gonna count these first four games as like they say in the nfl that's your first quarter i know we only got 10 games 
So we're a little bit past the first quarter. But now it's time for us to say, okay, guys, we, we, we've had our preseason. We've had our, our two non-conference games that we probably would have done played by now, which wouldn't have been easy. North Carolina's a good football team. I like yeah. Alcorn would have been an easier game for us. But we have got to start saying now, look where we're at after four games. Mm-hmm. Is this is, is this Auburn football? You have to ask yourself, and your answer is going to be completely no. This is not yeah. Auburn football. The coaches should say that. The players should say that. Everyone who's watching this should say no. Mm-hmm. Like, so what are we going to do to turn the table? You know, right now we're playing an Ole Miss football team that's probably down 19 players right now to COVID. To COVID, so we're not even sure if it's going to be a game this weekend. But if right. there is a game. They're saying next man up. So the next man up, don't go in there feeling like you're just going to walk over them because they're going to try to prove a point and say, well, shoot, this is my opportunity to show coach I belong on the field. So right. you may get that kid's best effort. But if we ever going to make a, any turn for this season, it starts this week. Like it has to start That's this true. week because we've had two below average football games. And, yeah. uh, you know, in, in, a, in a row. And we was fortunate to get out of that one, the Arkansas game with a win. So, yeah. you know, We'll take two and two over one and three right now, but right. that's not Auburn football. Win or lose a draw, I love this football team. I love Auburn, but if you're gonna lose, there's a certain way you lose. Like mm-hmm. you lose, but it looks like winning football. We need to physically get off the bus and put the hammer to the nail, like right, and 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 show up and say this is who we are. Absolutely, I, I completely echo everything that you said, and I think that they know they have to pull themselves out of the hole that they've been digging at this point because uh, you're you're on a very dangerous trajectory that could continue to get worse if something really doesn't snap them out of it. And I'm hopeful that this week did it because I'm pretty sure everyone went into that game, including myself, thinking that this would be our convincing win coming off the controversy uh, of the Arkansas game. I thought this would be the one that – kind of settled the dust and and reconfirmed that no Auburn Auburn's a great football team and unfortunately it it said the opposite of that and they know that a lot's going to be on the line these next few next few games Ole Miss is not a team that I would sleep on you know I think their record is not that intimidating but when you turn on the film and watch them they have some impressive players I think give it time and Lane Kiffin's going to build something there and so this isn't a team that you overlook they gave Alabama a very hard fought game I I don't know where either of the team's defenses were because that no one played defense that game, (laughs) but uh, Ole Miss has some bright spots. And I think that this is not one that you overlook. And again, it's a road game. And thus far we are not playing well on the road. So this is going to be a tough task. And I, I am fearful of, of what will start to happen if they lose again. So this, this cannot happen. Everyone's got to get in the right mindset. Everybody's got to get, more physical, more fine-tuned, and and get back to playing Auburn football, however that starts to look. My last question for you, Jason, before we wrap this one up. Do you anticipate we are going to see the same thing happen that has happened in years past that Gus Malzahn takes back over play calling? No, I don't think so. Just because okay. uh, him and Chad Morris, they go back in time and they, and they have such a strong history together. Um and I think he really does, because when you look at this offense, you know, it, it's very similar. 
to you know to the same yeah. offense that Gus has been running over the years, and both of them come from the same coaching tree. So when that happens, you know, yes, it's Chad Morris's offense, but him and Gus probably sits in and and go over certain downs and situations and things that both of them like, even though Chad's calling the plays um, and everything. And Gus has kind of took more of a CEO role and 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 put his hand more into the special team side of things. Um, you know, it's just. I just don't see Gus doing that because he's come out and said like he's going to get Chad Morris this opportunity. And at the end of the day, Chad Morris was a head coach. So, you know, I think he has more respect for him because Chad Morris is not like an understudy. You know, the other guys Mm -hmm. that he had were understudies under him. And, you know, so it was an easier thing for him to say, hey, you know, I'm just going to take this back over because but now with Chad Morris, you know, that's just I don't think that's an option. I don't think you you go that route. You you brought him here for a reason. You know, you, you you're paying him a good salary for a reason. And, uh, you know, the goal is to help him develop Bo. And like I said, that's going to take a whole trio. And what I mean that is Bo has got to sit down and say, hey, I got to start listening. You know, I, I really got to start listening to my coaches. I got to start, you know, holding myself a little bit more accountable. You know, I, I'm, I, yes, I was coached by my dad in high school. I know a lot of football, but I'm still a young player and I don't know everything. I know this has been a tough year. I know coaches and everyone's trying to love on each other and get each other through this. But sometimes you need just a little bit more fire under your butt to get you going. And whether that's creating competition or whatever it is, you need to earn your stuff and not be giving your stuff because mm-hmm. there's a difference. When you earn it, you respect it more and you hold yourself more accountable to it. So these guys have got to earn their spots, all guys on this team moving forward. And then from a coaching staff standpoint, you got to demand more. Like right. your job is on the line and your back is against the wall. So when I feel that way, if I'm going to go out, I'm going out giving it everything I got. I'm not worrying right. about if this guy liked me or that guy liked me. I'm doing what I got to do. It's not about being liked. It's about getting W's in the win column and all of us sitting back at the end of the year and saying, man, we started off slow, but woo, we sure got it together. And uh, exactly, and we're moving in the right direction now. Like we, we've changed. We've changed some things. I said it last week before we went into this game. It's how you respond that we're going to find out a lot about this team. And it's just like you said, we didn't respond well. So that tells me a lot of this stuff is maybe going on that needs to be fixed and get corrected. Yep. There are future implications for this, Um, obviously long-term and and leadership and personnel and what's going on uh, with the future of this program. Those decisions will come. But right now, the implication is next week and the next opponent and the next game. And I know that sounds like coach speak, but it's absolutely true. They have to get back on a, on a winning trajectory. They have to play tighter football. These guys, they're going to have to dig deeper. Hope we see a much different team this week. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to Jason and I as we cover everything that's going on. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends. Make sure you listen to us each and every week. We give you thorough analysis. We give you honest opinions. And we give you, you know, the Auburn Auburn family love. And sometimes love is tough, right? So uh, we're, we're doing our best here. But hopefully we will be able to recap a win this time next week. Jason, if you were going to give this team 
a piece of advice to sign us out as they head into a matchup after a very tough loss, what would you tell them? I would tell them, like, guys, look, you're going to hear some things that you don't want to hear, and you may not like what you are hearing. But at the end of the day, if you want to change it, own your habits and create your change. Mm-hmm. That is good stuff, everybody. Own your habits and create your change, all right? Have a great week. War Eagle. War Eagle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.